Welcome to this week's podcast from Terrelgan City Church. We hope this message transforms and equips you to reach out. For more information about what's happening at TCC, head to mytcc.com.au or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. There's a lot of empty seats this morning, but I, I told God years ago that if he gives me the gift of the gab, which he did, then I will preach with the same passion if there's 10 people or if there's a 1,000. So, this morning. Now, there's a comment. I'm coming closer because I like to be a little bit close to people. I like to talk to people. So, this morning... Uh, There's a comment that I actually heard again recently and I've heard right throughout my my Christian life and I reckon pretty much just about everyone here has either heard it or said it. And this, that's this. Because our topic for this month is heart for the house. And boy, do I have a heart for the house. The comment is this. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Right? Have you heard it? Yeah. Yeah, might have even said it. I reckon back in my early days... I reckon I've said it. And do you know it's true? Oh, there's a couple of like, that's true. I actually looked through the scriptures. There is not a single place in the scripture that says that you have to go to church. That's true, that. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you you have to. And it definitely is not a prerequisite to being saved doesn't say that if you go to church, you will be saved. It says if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Full stop. Okay? Going to church, so I'm going to go the opposite now. Going to church and sitting in church for 20 years doesn't make you a Christian. In the same way that if you go sit in a garage, you won't be made into a car. That's true. I haven't tried it. But I want to ask this question this morning. Can you be an effective follower of Jesus Christ and not go to church? Can you be an effective follower of Jesus Christ without going to church? Saying that we have to come to church to be a Christian is religion. Gathering together is the body of Christ for our benefit and the benefit of God is relationship. We are not called for religion. We are called for relationship with God the Father, with each other. So this morning, the title of my message is, Why Should We Not Forsake the Gathering? Do you know that Jesus himself went to the synagogue a lot? He went to the temple, Matthew 4.30. I'm going to be throwing a few scriptures out this morning. I won't be reading them all. Matthew 4.13, Mark 1.21-28, Luke 4.16-37. This is just so that you know I've read my Bible and I'm, I'm talking from what God has asked me to talk about, not my own thoughts. They are just a few mentions of Jesus in the temple, worshipping, worshipping in the temple. 
At the age of 12, he makes this really interesting statement when he goes missing. Mum and dad, they've been in Jerusalem doing what they had to do. They're heading out and suddenly about a day later, well, that's like every parent's dream, nightmare. A day later they go, hey, whoa, 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 where's Jesus? Because in, the, in that community, actually, it wasn't um, something that was out of the ordinary. In that community, they all looked after each other's kids. Just saying. They looked, looked after each other's kids. But Jesus makes this statement. He says, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that you would find me in my father's house? Like, where else would I be? I'm not down the local pub. I'm not down at the Ferris wheel. Why are you looking for me? Where else would I be but in my father's house? That's Jesus saying that. And in Hebrews 10.25, which my message is based on, says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The day of Jesus' return is drawing near. Okay, so I've got... Now, don't freak out, right? Please don't freak out. I've got seven reasons why I think it's important to not forsake. They're really quick ones, okay? But it's the last one that absolutely grabbed me. So I'm just putting out a little teaser so that you stay with me. That absolutely grabbed me as to why we need to gather and stay together in the house of God. Number one. The church is God's idea and his plan for our age. The church is God's idea. In Matthew 16, 18, it says, Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church did not exist prior to Acts. Church was God's idea. Not man's idea. It's not my church. It's not your church. And when we say church, remember the last couple of weeks we have talked about the church is not Grace Street. It's not the hub. It's not the Anglican building. The church is when we gather together like this, the church is now in operation. We do not own the church. Pastor Megan does not own the church. She has been appointed as a minister over the church. God owned the church and it was his idea and it was for this age. And he tells us that, that the church as his plan needs to be something that is a priority in the lives of all believers. Well, there's a statement, a priority in the lives of all believers. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm totally honest here. I've been coming to church a very long time in my life. And there are many, 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 many Sundays that I wake up and go, I don't want to go to church today. I am tired. I've got so much to do. I just want to stay in bed. It's too much effort. The kids are being painful and I could, I'll just stay at home. You know, there are times when we, when we can't gather, whether we work or whether we have, a, my, my boys aren't here today because we had somebody who turned 18 yesterday. I'm not going there, except that the 20-year-old went out with him to make sure he came back alive. Okay, now we, we granted them that, but I'll tell you something, and I think Megan's boys will be the same. Do you know, as my boys are now 18 and 20, when they were growing up, 
There was never ever a Sunday where they ever got up and said to me, are we going to church today? Never. Because in our home, it was a given. In fact, they'd be very shocked if we said we're not. So it needs to be a priority within the bounds of reason. Number two, God's word tells us that we need to be involved in his church. He tells us not to forsake the gathering together. And from the accounting acts of the first church in Jerusalem to the seven churches listed in Revelation, the Bible teaches us the importance of active involvement in the local church. Do you know, there are 30 specific local churches mentioned in the Bible and six regions of churches are listed in Acts 19.19 alone. Number three. The church is where we hear the word of God and grow spiritually. This is why we preach and teach the word. 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus are teeming with instruction for church leadership to make scripture a priority in the church. 1 Timothy 4.2 commands pastors and elders to preach the word. Now, followers of Jesus Christ can and should study the Word on their own. Absolutely. You can watch good sermons on YouTube. I do that quite often. I like a good sermon on YouTube. However, learning under sound preaching and teaching is imperative for anyone's spiritual growth. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to be hearing and hearing the word of God. And that's in 1 Peter. You can see 1 Peter 2.2 and Ephesians 4.14. Number four. So I told you they'd be quick. I'm not bluffing today. The church is a place where we are here to use our spiritual gifts. Another important reason for gathering in the house is this, this is where we should be practicing our spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 3 to 8 and 1 Corinthians 12 are empathic about the fact that every believer, every believer is the recipient of one or more spiritual gifts and they are God-given to serve Him effectively in the church. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God never intended the church to be full of spectators. He has not asked for spectators. You want to be a spectator, go and watch a soccer game or a footy game. But don't come to church with the idea, oh, I'm just here to have a good time and listen and that's it. God wants you and calls you to be an active part of his body. Number five, we need to connect with each other in the church. And this sits really close to my heart, this one. The community and family that the local church provides is essential for believers because the Christian life was never, ever meant to be a solo act. I don't know about you, but I could never do this Christian walk on my own. And you know, Jesus never did either. And if we want to have a look at that and emulate what he did, 
Jesus, although he took himself away alone at times, the majority of the time he was with 12 disciples, of which three he was very close to. And do you know, Jesus was probably the only one, I would say on earth, that actually had the capacity and ability to have a solo Christian life and still not sin and stay connected to the Father. And yet he didn't. And he didn't because he wanted to show us that it doesn't matter who you are, son of God or not. We need other people in our lives and in our Christian walk. It's a tough gig to do a solo Christian life. In fact, I would say it's an impossible gig. That's, that's my thinking. There are 60 one another's mentioned in the New Testament. Believers, we're called to love one another in Romans 13.8. Comfort one another in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Forgive one another in Ephesians 4.32. Pray for one another, James 5.16, and a host of other mutual admonitions. It's the one place, the gathering here in his house is the one place where we can truly have fellowship with one another. When I go to work, I don't have the same fellowship with my colleagues as I do when I come to the house of God and worship and follow him and get to know all you guys. That will probably freak out and quit if I tried that. I'm sure of it. Number six, the church is God's outlet for outreach and evangelism. The church is a place where we reach out, and that's one of our values, and missions take place. The book of Acts chronicles the story of growth of the early church, and it features accounts of personal evangelism, group outreach, and international ministry. The church is the vehicle in which we are equipped and trained to reach others for Christ. Do you know what we really need to understand? God gave us this earth, okay, and I've preached that before. God's footprint on this earth, the way he gets things done on this earth is actually through the church. So, When we come together and we gather and we worship him and we we grow and we learn and we connect, what that actually does, and I know it does it for me, is that, you know, I can come in like seriously feeling I should be on all fours. And then I can walk out of here, back up straight, face forward, ready to go into the week to the places that God has called me into. My mission field, so to speak. We're not all called to go overseas to, to, to the way mission. And we've got this idea, we've got to get away from that idea that, that your mission is, you know, we've all, we have said we'd go to Fiji, but God hasn't actually called us there yet. But our mission is wherever God plants you. And that doesn't matter where that is. That could be at home raising children. Let me tell you, that is the greatest mission of all times. I know because I have an 18 and 20 year old now that I know how 
sowing into their lives the love of God and the discipline of God has set their path for their future. Don't underestimate the mission of the family home. It's a massive mission. You are raising the next generation that are going to be called to take the Word of God out there into the darkness. My mission is also I work at a school. That is my mission ground. That's where God equips me to send me into that workplace. Now, I might not go in there preaching and teaching. It's a Catholic school. I can kind of get away with it to some degree. I can. But my mission, love people, care about people, speak to people, listen to people, pray for people. That's my mission. So wherever you are planted, that is your mission. And the gathering together on a Sunday is where you are equipped for that. And there are other times when, like last Sunday night, we had an outreach out at Churchill. We're equipped here, we go out. Now, number seven, now this is the one that really grabbed me. The church helps protect us from the enemy's attack. I want to read to you 1 Peter 5.8. It says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me tell you something about a lion. The devil is not all-powerful, okay? He's not equal to God. We, we often, and, and I see this in the world, we go, well, you know, good and evil, they're opposite. No, they're not. There is nothing that is equal to God. The devil is under God's feet and he's under mine and he's under yours. But he is powerful, Okay? And it says he's like a lion in that it is his nature to kill and destroy. The devil wants to consume you just like lions consume their prey. I nearly brought in my lion picture again, but I thought, no, I wouldn't do that. Lions hunt by staying very still and out of sight, they're very patient. They wait until the right opportunity presents itself. Isn't that interesting? They wait and they wait and they wait until the right opportunity presents itself. Now, lions do attack animals that are bigger than themselves, like the, the elephant and giraffe, but only when they're desperate and they cannot do that alone. We've experienced that in the last few weeks. Larger animals can do great damage to a lion, as can a person who is strong in the Lord and understands their authority. Praise God. But I'll tell you what lions do. They wait and they suss out who is the weakest amongst the herd, who is young, who is sick. And I'll tell you what they do. They sneak and they stealth and they move that person away, that person, animal. They move them away and they move them away because there's strength in the herd. 
Do you know anything about an elephant herd? Let me tell you, you go after one of their babies and that mother and the aunt and the grandmother, all right, you're done. They kill lions. They do, they kill lions. That's lions that are the only natural um, predator, but they kill lions. You come after my baby, I'll kill you. I'm the same, mate, I'm telling you. Come after my kids, I'll kill you, all right? Not quite, but close. So they ease them out, they ease them out, and they ease them out, and then they go in for the kill. You know where I'm going, don't you? This is what happens in the gathering. When you, I'm too tired this week and I just really, I just don't have it in me. And then next week, you know what, I might just go to this party. And then the next week, I tell you what the enemy's doing. He is stalking you. He's stalking you. And he wants to get you over here and I'm just going to pull you over here and I'm going to pull you over here because he knows the strength is in the gathering. The strength is in the connection that we have. When you're, you know what, we've experienced this in the last couple of weeks. You know, I came in here and I know Dave won't mind me saying we came in here last week like I'd just hit a wall and didn't bounce. But Pastor Megan said, nah, uh, 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 uh. come on, come on, get up, take your place. You know God, you know you can trust him, you know that he's got this, get up and keep fighting and we did. And then there are other times when, and I know Pastor Megan won't mind me saying this because we're all human beings, when she'll be just having a really tough day and things are coming against her and I'll say, ha, 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 hang on a minute. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember you're the head, not the tail. Remember that you've got the living God living inside of you, the same spirit inside of you that raised Christ from the dead. It will do more in you than he did back then. And up, up she gets and off she goes. There is power in the gathering. I cannot stress it enough. I've been in church for, not telling you how long, 43 years, 40 something years. But the minute you stop gathering, the minute you stop gathering, then the enemy's gonna come in like a roaring lion and he's gonna pull you over here and he's gonna pull you over here and he's gonna pull you over here and then he's gonna go in for the kill. That really spoke to me. The enemy will bring things into your life that will stop you from being a part of the gathering so that he can weaken you spiritually, separate you, and then go after you. He will tear you apart when you're defenseless and weak. And we need to keep alert to the deceitful praying of the enemy. And we do that by staying close to each other. That's what the herds do. They stay close to each other. Not that I'm saying you're a herd, I'm not. I do love elephants though, they've always been my favourite. And we do that, we pray for each other. We hear the Word of God. We remind each other of our authority and we rely on each other when we do become spiritually weak. I'm not saying we don't become spiritually weak. Sometimes I've become spiritually weak and I start to feel that pull outside of the herd. And then someone stronger and bigger comes beside me and goes, back into the herd. Get back in there. Know who you are. You're up the front. You're the head. You're not the tail. Don't get back there. And off I go again. I conclude. (laughs) When we put all of this together, 
I hope we now understand why God said, don't forsake the gathering. Don't forsake the house. Because the gathering, wherever it may be, could be here, could be the hub, could be at the park, could be Churchill, could be Rosedale, wherever the gathering is. It was God's idea for our benefit and for His. Life's hard enough and doing it alone is impossible. And He loved us so much that He said, you don't have to. I don't want you to do it alone. You don't have to. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the gathering. I often watch people, um, you know, I have a history where I worked as a counsellor. And I watch people go through the most horrendous of life events alone, with no sense of hope and no sense of future and no sense of anything. We don't have that. We have the living God residing within us. And my spirit and your spirit and your spirit and your spirit are the same. And we connect. I've witnessed that a lot in the last couple of weeks. I witnessed it, Marco and I witnessed it yesterday when we went to visit Michelle at the hospital. The minute we walked in, we felt this spirit to spirit connection the Spirit of God. And He said, where two or more are gathered there in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we felt Him so powerfully. To the point five minutes later, Michelle fell into a very, very deep sleep and we left. That is the gathering. That is doing life together. Thank you, Jesus. No, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Absolutely not. But to be protected, effective, and a growing follower of Jesus Christ, the importance of coming together each week cannot be stressed enough. Amen. So I've loved seeing you today and I've loved being able to give you what I felt the Lord had put on my heart to share about the Word of God. And I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Megan. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that you've been challenged and inspired. For more information about Terrelgan City Church, check out mytcc.com.au.